this is just one big building, or I've got three of them that are just huge buildings, big square boxes with a lot of technology in them, but without the right people um, engaged and operating at 100%, they're just big boxes with no personality and, and really no business value. And they will succeed for some period of time, but at some point, they'll fail. Welcome to BMC's Digital Outliers, a podcast series where some of our industry's brightest minds examine the many ways digital technology is transforming the modern workplace and how companies can find the right blueprint to successfully become digital powerhouses. In this episode, host Brian Solis, best-selling author and principal analyst at the Altimeter Group, speaks with Steve Snyder, CIO and CTO for the Massachusetts Convention Center, about how he makes sure his team is viewed as trusted advisors within their organization and how they've transformed the Boston Convention Center into one of the world's most technologically sophisticated exhibition and meeting centers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back we are having fantastic conversations on the state and future of digital, especially digital transformation. Uh, and today's guest is someone who's going to uh, hopefully blow our minds with some great experiences and great stories. Please welcome to the show, Steve Snyder, CIO at the Massachusetts Convention Center. Steve, welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'll give you a little background. I've been uh, the CIO for the Massachusetts Convention Center Authority for uh, almost 15 years, 14 plus, and you know, in the CIO years, that's like 800 dog years. Um, <laughs> means, I think it means I haven't screwed up so bad that they fired me yet. But it also means that we've been hugely successful, um, and not so much because I've been successful, but more so because we've got a team of folks that are really creative um, and invested in doing business better. And you know, it's one of these things that. In order for me to be successful, I have to be supportive of my team, and they're actually supportive of the client. Um, and the convention industry is a radically different industry than, than most businesses because we're selling a space and time in a building, um, but we're actually selling to events that may book in 2030 or 2025 or 2027. And we're selling not so much the technology that's in place because we know how fast technology is moving. Rather, we're selling the technology and the mindset um, that we will continue to invest in technology so that when their event comes and it's the National Association of Librarians or it's 50,000 gamers for Penny Arcade Expo here, that they will have an experience from a technology perspective that A, supports their, their show, and B, meets their needs and exceeds their needs. Because when you think about this business, and I don't mean to, to get on a soapbox and, and, and harangue about it, but... Please do, uh, please do. Yeah, it excites me. It's different every day uh, because we have different events. We put on 360 events a year in three different venues, um, and it, 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 it's a dynamic group of folks that come in here. Um, and so we may have doctors that are sitting in our ballroom performing robotic surgery on patients that are in Milan using our network, using a satellite uplink and, uh, you know, redundant fiber networks. Um, so we get to play with some of those things. And we have to think about things that are way outside of the box, um, like what happens when you put 50,000 people in a building with two or three cellular devices? Um, to the local South Boston wireless infrastructure. Well, we saturate it, so we have to build our own, essentially a macro cell site in our facility to haul the traffic out so we don't, we don't cut off uh, all this, the cell signal for the rest of the, the uh, 
citizens of Boston and in, in South Boston. So different things that, you know, I came, came out of a consulting background that I never thought about before I got in the convention industry. And this business is, you know, when you come in the building and need to buy internet bandwidth from me, you know, it's kind of like buying a hamburger at the airport. There's only so many places you can go to get a hamburger. Um, well, there's only one place to go to get internet. So it has to be flawless. And when you have people that are coming here to communicate, both internally, face-to-face, um, or assimilate information because a lot of the, what we do is, is around educational and continuing education credits. It has to perform flawlessly. They will spend a boatload of money to, to book the facility and association will. Um, and people spend a boatload of money to fly here and stay here. So the infrastructure has to perform flawlessly. And so that's what, that's what keeps me engaged in coming to work every day. It's also what can keep you awake at night if it's not done right. Um, and you wake up in one of those cold sweats. Let's take a step back because those are the, the everyday types of situations. I mean, aside at a, a much different different level and scale. But you know, CIOs and CTOs everywhere have, have their own infrastructure issues. And one of the things that fascinated me, uh, I don't know – I don't know how accurate this is, but in, in a little bit of the research, we found that your convention center is, is widely regarded as one of the most sophisticated um, and techni- technologically advanced centers. Aside from the infrastructure, what else, what else have you been working on or building that sort of gives you this sort of position in the world? Well, I, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are, are important. And it's, it's kind of the mindset that you get into that's that's different than traditional convention centers. And if if I went into a traditional convention center, their IT infrastructure team might have four or five folks, or they outsource most of the IT and they have one or two IT folks on the team. So in that scenario, they they bring in people to augment during shows and, you know, fill those gaps and, and needs. We've used a little different approach, a lot different approach. I have almost 60 folks um, that think about show delivery of IT services in three facilities. Um, that's what they do. They own the gear. They take pride in the gear. They know how it works. They maintain it. They own the gear. They take pride in the gear. They know how it works. They maintain it. So there's there's that engagement that these people come to work and they think about this every day and how do we do business better than anybody else. But beyond that, IT is, is always, uh, at least as, as long as I've been here, been a leader in innovation. Um, we, we look at ways uh, to solve problems either for the business units or for our clientele that come in the building. Um, so things like um, building a geolocation service within our facility, uh, essentially the blue dot on the GPS, um, we're using Bluetooth low energy beacons in the building with an open API that would allow somebody to come in and build their own app within our building and use our infrastructure hmm. and ride on our network, which that's not traditional IT. Um, I'm also looking at other ways to do business that are, are not core IT. Our, our facility is unique in the, that it has a 135-foot roof, um, 565 thousand contiguous feet of floor space so when you're moving in events we have to figure out where all the booths go on on you know you might have 500 or a thousand booths that's set up for the event well what they do now and typically have done in all venues um, is they take essentially the the equivalent of masking tape 
and mask out the floors, and then they lay out the carpet, and then the infrastructure, and then they build the booths. And it's hugely laborious. It takes two days to mark the floor, and it takes another day to, for our cleaning crew, or two days, to scrape all the tape off the floor. So right now I'm looking at using the same technology that um, the people that paint aircraft uh, use, which is a, a laser marking system that they lay out the logos and paint schemes on airplanes, mount these things in the ceiling, feed them an AutoCAD file, and boom, lay out the show floor in seconds and show them what the show floor looked like last year, what the, I can show flow, flow paths through the facility, all sorts of different things for not a lot of money. Um, so here's IT driving a business process change that will ultimately save money for our clientele. And if we win one piece of business um, in Boston, we're, we might be, you know, 20 or $30 million to the good for the state economy, which is really what my business is, to put heads on beds in hotel rooms, people in taxi cabs, people in restaurants. Um, that's, that's what we do. So those are the type of things that as we make business easier to do in Boston from a technology perspective or we have added benefits, like we were the first convention center to offer free Wi-Fi. And we don't just offer, you know, just a little bit of Wi-Fi. When we have 50,000 gamers in here from Penny Arcade Expo, um, we push 1.2 to 1.4 meg a second or gigabytes a second across our wireless. So these things are, are things that, you know, are how we do technology better and why we sell ourselves as the most technologically advanced convention center on the planet. I got to tell you, as a, uh, as, a as an avid speaker uh, and attendee of, of convention centers around the world, uh, I'm, I'm over on this side of the, uh, the microphone drooling because <laughs> all of those things as an attendee uh, are things that I, I would love uh, to have a better experience. Uh, and, and in fact, it's, it surprises me still here in 2016 that Wi-Fi uh, is still a challenge, not just bandwidth, but even you know watching it go down all the time. It's just, it's unbelievable how, how often that happens. And I want to talk about the team for a minute, and then I want to follow that up with discussions about innovation. You know, part of this is technology, uh, and the other part is, is is people and and processes and systems. And to this scale, how are you bringing people along the path to innovation? For a number of years, we were the the innovation de facto type of uh, mindset was was in the IT um, group. Uh, so we were kind of the incubator for a lot of these projects, a lot of projects throughout the organization, um, because that was our mindset. That's the way we thought, almost an agile mindset around how do we deliver something to someone. So my number two for a number of years was an MBA kind of guy. So he thought about business, and I had other people that were thinking about infrastructure. And at some point, uh, we realized that this innovative process and thought process and look at ROI analysis and almost running IT, like, uh, some of these new spin-up things like VCs that say, okay, we'll, we'll spin something up, test it. If it doesn't work, we'll fail fast and we'll pull the plug. If it does, we'll see how do we institutionalize this, move it into production, and in the operations. So what we did was we actually spun that whole strategy and product development group out of IT and stood it up as a separate business unit to start to institutionalize some of the processes that we put in place so that the rest of the organization could say, okay, well, public safety wants to sell more guards or more you know, camera monitoring or whatever it is. How do we, how do we verify 
the ROI analysis of it. How do we how do we get it stood up? How do we operationalize it? How do we develop SOPs around it? You're listening to BMC's Digital Outliers, a series dedicated to helping you understand the many ways digital technology is transforming the modern workplace. To listen to other podcasts in this series, go to digitaloutliers.com. So we did that. Um, We've contracted a bit because what we found was that institutionalism took some of that grassroots initiative and the collaborative at the lower level away um, and made people a little less uh, likely to bubble stuff up because guess what? We built an an infrastructure around you know, a group of folks, and it was hard to move it out of operations. So now we're a little bit in both camps where we've got people thinking at the grassroots level, hey, I saw a customer doing this, and they were really frustrated. How can we fix it? And then we, we say, okay, let's, let's percolate that up, and how do, we, how do we institutionalize it and move it? And it's a little more fluid and a little more flexible. So it's one of those things that um, we, we keep focusing on that right mix. And I don't know that there's an absolute right mix at a particular time. So you kind of keep amalgamating other pieces of information, you know, and some of this stuff from some of your books and not to to tout your books is, you know, you look at the journey maps and the experiential maps as you go through and and what the customer feels and and how people do things. Um, And you have those aha moments and you get people that are in the organization that aren't afraid to share those aha moments. And since we're a state authority, I have a hard time keeping technical talent because I can't compensate at the private sector level. So what I do, um, and I'll bring in junior people that have just graduated from, say, Northeastern through a co-op program. And so we get some some engaged folks that are, you know, Mustangs and they're, they're fresh out of the box. And I'll say it's, it's much easier to rein a Mustang in a little bit or get them to shift direction a little bit than it is to beat a plow horse into, into running like a Mustang. Um, so it's easier for me to hire energized people, but you got to keep them focused. They can't be honeybees from one project to the next project. You have to have some metrics around uh, levels of, of success. And that, that's, that's the secret sauce, is the people that you bring and getting them out of their cubicles and going talking to people. You know, I, I hate email. I, I, I have to do, use email when people aren't geographically close, but I would much rather go talk to somebody and collaborate with them and see that their lights are on and that they get me. Then they're playing with their iPhone or iPad or whatever it is. Um, and it's a cursory discussion because I want a decision. I want to make sure that they understand and we can move forward. Um, so that's a little bit about how do we how do we make that thing happen? The magic. That magic that you talk about is a really really undervalued sort of ethos in in the organization. I mean, we we talked about digital transformation at the beginning, and I think a lot of times organizations take to literally the digital and digital transformation. And I'm going to point out to a post you wrote uh, that talked about transformation being all about the customer, uh, where you you mentioned looking at the pain that customers had, looking at their journeys, uh, not just fixing friction, but also getting inspiration for new ideas and then getting the people along to experiment and fail fast. And 
much of this uh, has to do with getting new perspective. I, I want to commend you on the fact that you're in IT and leading this type of innovation, whereas so many other organizations are, well, they're looking at marketing or they're looking at other aspects of, of the company to sort of drive this. But you seem to be sitting in this unique position in the organization uh, that I think there's a lot for, for people in wherever they sit to learn from. So how, how did you build that into the culture? How did that shift happen within the organization? What can people learn from that? A, I think it's, it's hiring the right talent. Um, B, is uh, you have to have support from the top down, from, all the way from the board through senior management, um, because it can't be IT's wagon, the tail wagging the big dog. Um, it needs to be, you know, a group level buy-in. So there, there's, there's that piece of it. But beyond that, you have to think about, and this is, once again, I hate to, I hate to you know, get on a soapbox, but you have to think about why we come to work, what we're in business to do, and, and what the primary business of the business is. And 99% of the businesses out there aren't IT businesses. They're around doing something else, like our business is around conventions. And so if people lose the perspective of why we come to work and why, we, why we're here, it's easy for them to go down the rabbit hole and say, well, it's all about this IT problem and that IT problem and people haven't fixed anything. But if they, if they say, okay, this is why we're here. This is what we're here to do uh, every day. Um, and this is what we, what we need to do. And this is what it means if you're not here and not on your game. If every employee doesn't know why they're why they're important, then it's then you, you're going to miss the mark right off off the bat. If every employee doesn't know why they're why they're important, then it's then you, you're going to miss the mark right off off the bat. So they have to realize the value to the organization, a of their role, b of their investment of intellectual property rights or intellectual property that they have in their head to think about ways to do things better and you know support those ideas and support those people if you shoot them down and shoot them down and shoot them down they won't bring ideas to you and it, it gets to you know I, I don't know if you've got kids but I do and my my rule of thumb is there's there's three attaboys for every one old crap um, and so you, you pat them on the back and it makes those old crap moments not so not so brutal and so those are the type of things if you build this environment where people are aren't afraid to share and it doesn't become hostile where you've got people across, across the table said that won't work because of this and I said well can we try it yeah let's try it but you know those are the type of, of things that make the organization successful and the fact that you invest in the in the team um, because this is just one big building, or I've got three of them that are just huge buildings, big square boxes with a lot of technology in them, but without the right people um, engaged and operating at 100%, they're just big boxes with no personality and, and really no business value. And they will succeed for some period of time, but at some point, they'll fail. And it's not sustainable. You have a couple of key people that leave the organization that haven't shared, shared information, and guess what? They take a lot out, out of the organization and you're setting yourself up to fail. 
I found a fantastic presentation that you had put online uh, that was, I think, written to your mentees. And I, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about this because you had some exceptional advice that I think would be applicable to anybody listening to the show, where you talked about leadership and being the hero and roadmaps and metrics and allies and also the swamp. And you know, maybe just a, a high-level overview of what's that about? Why, why did you publish that? So I've been involved in a in in mentoring uh, either rising technology leaders or CIOs coming up the the food chain. A lot of these folks are very technically astute. I came out of a consulting environment, uh, so I had the benefit of you know a very broad lens into a lot of different businesses and how a lot of different businesses operate. That's not traditional for IT. Most of most of the, te- the teams and people in IT come up through the ranks um, and they may have a very myopic view of how business is done because they have a very small universe as to how they've seen other organizations function. And frankly, a lot of them, maybe they've done an internship or um, they've worked at one or two locations or different businesses. So they've got, you know, they've got just a little bit of information about how businesses can function. And some businesses are broken in the way they function. And a lot of these guys are trying to work around how do we fix the the broken business or I can't get something done. So a lot of the discussions that I have uh, with my mentees are around the politics of getting business done. And how do you how do you make somebody else a hero and subsequently make yourself a hero? Although you don't pat yourself on the back, you you know, we did this as a team and we did that as a team. And Joe was hugely successful over here and made the whole project work well. As you do that, you engage people and you endear them to you um, because they realize that you're A, genuine, B, care about them, and C, value their input and their, their, their work effort. And, you know, that gets to the point of making somebody else a hero, whether it's, it's your boss. Because, um, frankly, I would rather be behind the curtains of Oz sometimes than fighting the political battles that my boss does at the, you know, governor level and, you know, because we are a state authority. Building credibility with your team and then building credibility with your boss um, or the, the board. Um, I've been here, like I say, you know, going on 15 years. I've never had the board turn a vote down because I come with three solutions. What happens if we don't do anything? What happens if... Uh, money's not an object, and what's the middle of the road scenario? So I build those cases. They don't have to, you know, do any real deep thinking because we've done the deep thinking. So there's a huge investment in casting what the problem is, um, and casting the solutions, and then presenting those solutions. And so a lot of what I what I talk to my mentees about is how do you become successful in business by building relationships? And it's not around sending emails. It's around getting out of your 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 comfy zone and pushing yourself a bit and talking to folks and solving their problems. And you go into somebody's office and say, my name's Steve and, you know, I'm the IT guy. And what can I do to help you? And being genuine about about that. And I think that's the big thing. That's inspirational stuff right there. And I think that any organization that thinks about technology through a human lens is on the right path for transformation and also success. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, customer experience, user experience, and also employee experience are all of the things that I think companies have to put at the head of all of their roadmaps. And so, Steve, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing so much of what you're doing and and, and working on with us. Uh, It's just been eye-opening and wonderful. So thank you, Steve. Well, thank you for the, the opportunity 
opportunity to stand on the soapbox and chat a little bit about what I'm very passionate about. And uh, feel free to reach out and share my contact information as appropriate. Thanks for listening to BMC's Digital Outliers, a series dedicated to sharing the changes the modern workplace is undergoing via digital technology. BMC Software is a global leader that partners with companies committed to becoming digital powerhouses. Follow us on Twitter at BMC Software and at BMC underscore DSM.